Hello and welcome back to the RevOps Show. Today's topic slightly piggybacks off of the previous episode around data migration as Doug and Jess are talking about single source of truth. If you haven't yet already, I would highly recommend listening to the previous episode either before or after this one so you can see how everything connects. Throughout today's episode, you'll hear what single source of truth means, how it gets determined, and why you can't just pick one and never change it. You'll also get a glimpse into Doug's car habits, which will make a lot more sense once you listen to the episode. It's a fun one today, so let's get into it. Jess, it's Doug. the day before Thanksgiving when we're recording this. I'm so excited. Was the night before Thanksgiving when? Well, it's not night day. Yeah, but they read that during the day on Christmas Eve. They call Christmas Eve Christmas Eve when it's not Eve. Okay. I like to think of this as air of Thanksgiving. I see. I see. But I like to think of that. It's kind of the opposite of Yom Kippur. It's the uh, yeah. I, that's it's pretty accurate. Right. It's pretty so, accurate. <laughs> Yom Kippur, you think about everything that you've done wrong. You starve yourself, right? Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. you think about what you're happy about and, and stuff your face. <laughs> Thanksgiving, you binge and you're grateful. Yep. What are you thankful for, Jess? You know what? Let's save that for the end. Let's save that for the end. Let's not give <laughs> that away. Let's set that up as a teaser. So we're going to finish this episode. I realize that it's going to get published sometime after um thanksgiving but we'll finish the episode with uh what we're thankful for so you have time to think about it jess yeah so so now you got no you got no excuse for it not to be good oh great thanks no pressure no pressure. I need to come up with something brilliant something brilliant that's right expectations are high yeah early reviews on this show are quite good oh boy my my mom my mom left a seller review we've got at least one viewer there you go, there you go. <laughs> There you go. All right. So what are we talking about today, Jess? So the, the database conversation that we had got me thinking about single source of truth. The what um, conversation? The, the uh, data migration conversation that we gotcha. had got me thinking about single source of truth. So I want to talk, I want to talk about that today because with, with all kind of the integrations that are going on and, and people having multiple systems now, which I think is a, is a, is a frequent a frequent occurrence, you know, there's a lot of conversation around single source if, of truth and what is that and, and that how important it is. Sorry, go ahead. If a hundred percent is frequent, then I would agree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so first of all, I, I think the term gets thrown around a lot and, and I always like to start with making sure we're defining what we're talking about, but I think it's especially important here. Cause I think this term gets used in a myriad of ways that, and, and we're not always clear on what it means. So what is, what is single source of truth to you? So I think people focus on the, the word single more than they focus on source of truth. I'm far more focused on source of truth than I am focused on single. So, you know, the, the, the sor source of truth is where's the real information? Where's the real data? In, in essence, what's right? How, how do I know that, that what I'm looking at is the right thing and that this is what everyone should be looking at, right? One, one, one of the big problems with data, one of the big problems, if, if you think about, you know, the, 
the first generation of of the digital world where we had um, endpoint systems, everything was was server or desktop based, was main, I should say, mainframe or desktop based. So, you know, we operated out of spreadsheets, spreadsheets would get distributed. And, and, and so this whole issue of source of truth, single source of truth came about because, you know, someone may have updated a spreadsheet or changed something in their spreadsheet that they forgot about. And all of a sudden, you know, four people are working off of a spreadsheet with the same name, but they're actually, you know, they actually have different data in them. And so everyone thinks that they're working on the same thing when in fact, they're not working on the same thing that, you know, that that's what we're talking. That's what typically we're referring to when we talk about source of truth with data, but, but also source of truth of, you know, what, what, what's the message, you know, if, if you're, if you're not updating your messaging on a regular basis, if you're not updating your content on a regular basis, then, then you're probably doing something wrong. So, so what is that, you know, what's the latest and, and, and by the way, also, you know, you're working on something that's in development and, and before you know it, somebody's who's aware of in development starts using things that are in development that, that may not ever actually officially see the light of day, which, which, which takes you off, off course. Um, so again, what, so what source of truth or single source of truth is about is, is the, I mean, it's the North star of whatever it is you're talking about. It, it's what, you know, if we talk about alignment, if we talk about aligning vectors, and by the way, I like the term aligning vectors more than I like alignment, because we're all coming at things from different places, different perspectives, um, different rhythms, different harmonies, if you will. Um, if we're, you know, the, the, the more we're all pulling to the same point, the, the, the better off we are. And, and so that's what source of truth is about is, is getting to that North star. You, you took us in a, in a, in a, in a place that I, that I didn't expect. Um, cause when I, I think did. about this, I, I think exactly. Um, I think about it in terms of database. Cause I think naturally when you talk about source, source of truth, you're thinking about data, but I like what you said about messaging and, and applying it there. Cause I, I don't think that, I don't think people think about that when we talk about source of truth and are we using something that that's in development and not not the final, for lack of a better term. Um, well, or, so or you know, how many sales, you know, how, how, how often, and I'm picking on salespeople here, but it, but it's more than salespeople are pulling something from a deck that's three years old, right. That, you know, is, is now out of date or, you know, the, yeah. So I, I, I think we all have this obsession and, and I see it happening in RevOps that, that, there's this obsession of of RevOps is tech management or RevOps is data slash database management. And and I'll say what I say when I'm talking to prospects and clients, right? No one that we work with, no one that I think, let, let me put it this way, no one who's listening to this show should be worrying about these things because they're seeking to win an implementation award, right? I'm not I'm not trying to yep. win the cleanest database of the year award. I'm not trying to win the, the technically most accurate, whatever award I'm, I'm, I'm seeking a business outcome. I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm trying to increase my velocity at a faster rate than I'm having to increase my speed, right. To, to accomplish something that matters. And, and so I think that people get lost in, in the tactical process of what is source of truth as opposed yeah. to what's the plot line why does it matter and, and and also realizing that to some degree 
you know, source of truth is kind of like the horizon, right? It, it's a, it's an abstract. It's a conceptual abstract. It, it's not something that is, I mean, there, there are times where there is a definitive source of truth, but when we think about it in, in the meta sense, there, there's always degrees, you know, you're never going to be at a hundred percent alignment. And by the way, I would say if you're at a hundred percent alignment, you're, you're, you're making a mistake, right? The, the cost of being at a hundred percent alignment is, is too high for, for the gain. And I would actually say that you probably, you probably lose some. It, it's like, it's like having a hundred percent closing rate, right? You know, the best way to increase your closing rate. I'll only put in deals that you've won. A, a, ask fewer people to buy, be, be really, oh. really, really yeah. particular. Right. All, yeah. you know, lower the denominator. That's the best way to increase your, your average. Yeah. Well, this, this is actually a good segue to, to one thing that I was going to ask, which is, is single source of truth a myth? Like we, we talk about it. Are we, are we striving for the, the unachievable? Is, is it, is it a myth or is it, or can you actually get to it, a single source it, of truth? It depends how you define it. Right. If, if, if you define it as, you know, if, if you define it in an overly technical way, then, then it probably is a myth. If, if, if you're defining it from more of an operational orientation, which, which again, to me, to operationalize something means it, it defines and influences what people do. It, it creates structure so that people, so that it's easier to do the right thing and it's harder not to do the right thing. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so, so there's nudges, there's, there's, there's aspects like that, but I, you know, and, and it also, you know, it also depends on, on how are you slicing your, your source of truth. So like, if you're talking about a data source, yeah, you can have a data source of truth, right? This, this is the source of truth. This overrules, or, you know, if there's a conflict in, in anything, then this takes precedent. You can do that. Right. And you can do things to, to get, to get pretty darn close um, if you if you slice it thinly enough, right? But but the thinner you slice it, the the less operational it is, the less um when you say frankly, slice the less meaningful it, it is. When you when you say slice it thinly enough, what do you mean by that? Like what is that what does that mean? So I can have a source of truth of who are our customers. Mm -hmm. This is our list of customers. Yep. Right. If you're not on this list of customers, you're not a customer. I can get that to hundred percent. That can be a source of truth. Right. And, right. and that's, that's an example of a super thinly sliced. Okay. Right. But, but if I go broad, you know, the, the, the more I broaden it, um, you know, how fast are we growing? Well, well, the trouble with that is how do you define growth? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and so, I mean, so can you operationally have a source of truth there? Yes, you can. Right. And, and, and here again, like the, the only reason that you need a source of truth for that, for something like that is that it's going to influence how you interpret other things. And, and, and so what a source of like, really what a source of truth is, as I'm talking about it out loud is it's, it's, it's the fulcrum, right? So, so, you know, give me a lever long enough and I can move the world. I think Archimedes said that, but you know what the difference, I always like to say, you know what the difference between a lever long enough is and a really long stick? What's the difference between a lever and a stick? Fulcrum. A fulcrum. Yeah. Right. And so what that source of truth does is it gives you the fulcrum to, to be able to, you know, it, 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 it is a key element 
to make data and and by the way, everything is data, right? It's interesting because you right. said I tend to think of it as data, but you brought up messaging. Well, <laughs> well I'm going to tell you, messaging is data. Yeah. Right. Okay. And yeah. I, and I know I know, and I'm not suggesting that we start talking about it as data, but but it is data, right? And so, like again, what I care about is, you know, are we operationalized? Is is it influencing? Again, is it making it easier for us to do what we intend to do? harder for us not to do what we intend to do that you know that's the game if every day i can do something that makes it a little bit easier for us to do what was intended without having to think about it and harder not to and if i keep doing that then you know my my chances of winning increase exponentially and it, realizing again that winning i always get nervous when i say winning because winning is kind of winning is a finite game concept is how most people think about it right um like you know for example we're having a great year right but you know the game doesn't end on december 31st <laughs> it right? doesn't and, 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 and so you know if we win on december 31st at the expense of what happens on january 13th yeah then right so so it, so winning is a on you know winning is a process it's not an event in in in, in the game of business right and and so I mean, you, you know what the key to being able to win the game of business is? What's that? To be able to keep playing. Yeah. Right. That That's the key to winning the game of business. Because, because by the way, in, in winning the game of business, and, and especially if you think about the companies that we work with, right, there, there are some markets that are, you know, so large. Like if you look at the search market right now, winning comes at the expense of. Right. Right. Because it, it can only support a certain number of players. That's the dynamics of, of that market right now. But you know, we're not competing with Google. I mean, right. we might be, we might be competing with Google. We might be working with a client that in some sense is competing with Google, but, but they're not competing with Google. Like, like for them to win, Google has to lose because right. I've got bad news. If we have any clients in that situation, we're probably not going to be that much help because, <laughs> you know, um, and, and, you know, like for us to win, that doesn't mean that other companies that do what we do have to lose, right? You have multiple winners. There's right. And, and, and so I think that that's also a lot of what gets lost that, that causes people to think overly technically about source of truth. So it becomes this thing that you throw at people. It becomes a reason not to do things. Oh no, yeah. no, no, no. I don't want to add this because that might impact our source of truth. Well, okay. But does it help? Like, does it get you closer to where you want to be? Yeah. Is the other thing that you have to ask yourself, um, you know, is the, I'm going to, I'm going to use a Dougism, is the juice worth the squeeze? Cause that's kind of, I'm, I'm hearing that a little bit reading between the lines of what you're saying too, is like, do we have to ask ourselves is, is striving for that? Is the juice worth the squeeze on, on striving for a single source of truth? So I'm a big believer in the good enough factor. I think in everything you do, I think life is about asking the question, is the juice worth the squeeze, right? That's why everyone laughs now when I say it. And it's funny because I didn't create the term, but there are a number of people who attribute it to me. I, I've even heard on someone, I forget what it was, but someone was talking on a podcast and they said, you know, as, as Doug Davidoff likes to say, is the juice worth the squeeze? And I'm like, wow, I didn't know I earned, you know, the, <laughs> the you know, quotation credit for that. But yeah, I think I think you have to ask in everything is the juice worth the squeeze. And I and I think that 
and you've heard me talk about this, you, you can break everything into three or four categories. It's broken. It's not broken. It's working. And you could add a not broken, not working. Right. Right. Which is kind of closer to working, but it's not quite working. But again, let's just go with three. It's broken. It's not broken. It's working. Um, I think, you know, if you can have 10% of what you do, somewhere between 10 and 20% of what you do, be in the working quadrant, dialed in, you're, you're exceptional at it, you're, you, you excel at it, that's all you need. If you can be, I mean, if you can be 0% in broken, man, I'd come on the show and teach me. You know, probably somewhere between, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if you excel at 10, 10 to 20%, if no more than 10 to 20% is broken. And so if 60 per 60 to 80% of what you're doing is not broken, that's a formula yep. for excellence. And, and I, and I would make the argument that if you, and, and by the way, Jim Collins book, good to great backs me up on this as does a whole lot of other behavioral and performance data. If, if you try to be great, if you try to excel at more than 10 to 20%, you, you not only hit a point of diminishing returns, you hit a point of diminishment. Because you can't be, you can't excel at everything. It, it yeah. takes up, it takes up too much. A, it takes up too much resources, and B, too much of what you're deciding to excel at trades off. So if you want to be super customer intimate, then then your operational excellence, you're going to pay a price on operational excellence, right? And and so if you try to be, you know, if you try to be super efficient, which is operational excellence, and super customer intimate, uh, yeah. I, I don't know how you do that. Yeah, that and so knows. those two aims conflict. So every time you you know every time you allocate to one or the other. So so if you're super customer intimate, then then you want to be operational excellent to the point that it's not causing you a problem. It's not broken, right? And once you're there, take whatever resources you would you would take to be better at operational excellence and put it to be even to being even better because people are buying from you because of the customer intimacy. That that that's your, you know. That's your superpower, right? You know, Dan Sullivan talks about it with, with individuals and he always said, and I, Marcus Buckingham talks about it with um, all the Gallup strength finder stuff. You know, if you spend your, you know, if you spend your whole life working on improving your weaknesses at the end, at the end, you'll have some really strong weaknesses. Now, I don't think it's sufficient to say, well, I'm just weak at that. So I mean, that's just who I am. I think you've got to make sure that that weakness isn't something that is preventing things. So get it out of the broken category, right? Yep. But then, you know, you're going to get 10 to 100x the return on the energy that you put to what you're great at. And 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 so I think source of truth fits in there as well. It's like, you know, you don't win anything because you have a single source of truth. You win because people are singing from the same hymn. We're reading yeah. off the same page, whatever analogy, metaphor, whatever you want to use, right? And and so, and so the question is, if you're close enough, right, then then run with it. And, and, you know, I'll tell you, that's one of the things that I fear with this massive growth of revenue operations is, you know, revenue operations is responsible, you know, legitimately, single source of truth. We want you to, to move towards single source of truth. And all of a sudden, yep. you know, they become the single source of truth, truth police. You know, when I, when I was a financial advisor, financial advisors hate, by and large, they hate their compliance department, right? Most financial advisors I know call the compliance department, you know, the sales prevention department, right? Yeah. 
Now, I love my compliance department, right? And the reason I love my co compliance department was I made sure I really understood what they were doing and why they were doing and, and what drove decisions, right? And what I found was they helped keep me out of jail because I'm certain if they weren't there to tell me I wasn't allowed <laughs> to do certain things, I would have done something that I wasn't allowed to do. And they forced me to be creative. So I would get creative. Right. And, and they actually helped. And, and I think the end product was better because of that. I didn't lose sight of the why I was doing what I was doing, right? And I, and I think, you know, what I would oftentimes have to remind compliance departments was they hate, you know, anything that you do that's not normal is risk, risk is bad. And so I would oftentimes have to remind compliance, like it, it wasn't enough to say, no, you have to give me what's the reason for it. Because I would remind them, remember, you're here to help the firm grow. Yeah. Keeping us out of jail, keeping us from getting fined is an important element to helping us grow. Yeah. Right. So the same thing is there, you know, as, as you begin to break this up, you know, it was interesting. I was, I'm getting ready for um, a presentation to a fairly large company and they've got um, a CTO, a CIO and a CDO. That is a chief information officer, a chief technology officer and a chief data officer. There's a chief data officer. Yeah. Chief data officer is actually a growing I've heard the other two. I don't know that I've heard you. By the way, I, I saw I saw a um, LinkedIn post where someone is saying over the next two to three years, like the C-level position is going to be the chief automation officer. Ah, and I okay. said, oh, my God, no. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, automation is the byproduct of good process. Yeah. It's not the objective. Yeah. yeah. Right. Single source of truth is not the objective. It. Yeah. It is oftentimes necessary, right? And so my question is, to what level is it necessary? And so if you're GE, you're, you're, let's not use GE, if you're, because um, if you're Amazon, mm -hmm. single source of truth is, is monumentally important, right? Yeah. If you're imagine, single source of truth means something very, very different. Yeah. Right? 100%. Also, Amazon has the ability to justify the infrastructure to, to really bring everything together to us. And it's like, this is why I say don't obsess on single is I think that, that you need to begin to look, you know, if you look at it through the lens of disciplines, right? So, so my, my, my sales source of truth doesn't have to be the exact same system as my finance source of truth. Yep. Right. And, yep. and now, now ideally, does it all come from one place? Yeah. Ideally it does the cost for us to try to get it to all come from one place. Like, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, CDP, that was the hot term. And, and, and there was a whole, I think it was like 60 executives signed this SAS executives in the sales tech space signed this, whatever that said, CRM's not enough. Yep. And it was all about CDP, right? Customer data platform. Yep. Right. It's funny. I haven't heard, I haven't heard CDP in. I was, I was going to say I haven't months. heard the term yeah, in a but, long time. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that's I think that that's interesting. That's where people frequently get hung up to wanting all the departments to use that single source of truth and not really thinking about who's using what and how are they using it and what are they using it for. Um, and and I see it. Your point about size of the organization and being able to justify that, like. Like I see frequently we've got a, we've got a, a, a client who they want 
they've got a myriad of departments. They're growing super fast. So they don't, they don't really have time to, or to justify, they don't have the resources to justify to get this built out. And they want everybody looking at one same thing. And it really doesn't necessarily make sense. So I think that's, that's something important. We get hung up on the single source of truth and it feels so definitive. It's like this, this is the one thing we should all be looking at. Yep. 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 Exactly. So, so how, how do you determine, so let's, let's just say from a, from a database perspective, let's, let's, let's talk about it in the frame of database. If we've got multiple databases going on and I've got integrations between the systems, how do I determine what is my single source of truth? How do I determine like, and, and we can even narrow it down to, to the sales team. Like how do we determine what the sales team uses as their source of truth? So tell me more about what, what, what you're thinking, because I'm so, not, I need, I need a little bit more data to where the problem is. Right. So we've got, you know, outreach out of, out of one system. And I, and then we've got, it kind of feeds into our, our sale initial outreach out of one system. It feeds into our sales process in another system. And so we're, we've got one team kind of working in, in both systems. How do we determine what's our source of truth between those two? How do we, so, so how do we know what to in, look at? So, so this gets into what we, what we've, what we call it, imagine what we call the integration roadmap, right? And, and that is, you know, let, 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 let's go back, let's remember what the prime directive is. The prime directive, the business process has to drive the technology. The technology should never drive the business process. You could extend that to the business process has to drive the database. The database should never drive the business process. So when, yeah. when you talk about, you know, what is the system of truth? So, so I've got my sales enablement software. I've got my CRM software. I've got my reporting software. I've got my um, my account management tool, I've got yep. my this. Okay, that's great. Well, what what job are those tools doing, right? And and you may find that that you know the CRM is doing this job in this situation, is doing another job in another situation, and a third job in a different situation, right? Nothing says that each tool only does one job. So understanding what is the business process, and again, remember, source of truth only matters to the extent that having it or not impacts behavior. What is somebody going to do or not do as a result of, right? And, and, and so along that line, what, what you will oftentimes find is a, a lot of, um, a lot of integration synchronization to source of truth gets into priority. And I've heard people say, Salesforce is the source of truth. Salesforce yeah. always overrides. And I go, well, that's not a good idea. Or they say the ERP the finance system is the sort it always overrides. And I go, okay, well, what happens if the sales rep gets a call from their customer that their office has moved and the address needs to change? We just ran into this with an integration today. We ran into this with an integration where it was said one system never overrides the other one. The other one is always the source of truth and it ended up causing, causing an issue. And so right. now and we're having to determine when is this the source of truth? When is that one the source of truth? Right. And, and, and so there's certain elements of like, if you want to talk about what is the, like, what, what's their pricing category? Yeah. That's always coming from finance. Yeah. Right. If you want, <laughs> okay. So, so, you know, now, now, you know, talking about, so I've, I've got my, my, my prospecting software, my sales process software. Well, in, in one phase of the process, that prospecting software 
should be driving or overruling. And, and oh, by the way, here's a question. Does the data in, in your prospecting software, does it need to be in your CRM? Yeah. Right? I will say this. I, I know, and you know, a perfect example is Salesforce and marketing automation. Yeah. That I hear a lot of people say, well, look, we've got a lot of X or Y or Z in our marketing automation. We don't want to be stuffing our CRM with all of that because it's not initially useful. The, the problem there is you actually don't have a source of truth of your database, right? So, so I do think somewhere there, there needs to be something that, that, that houses all a unified, of a unified source of truth, right? It's, you, you might call that a customer data platform. Uh, <laughs> by the way, one of the reasons I think that the word went away was people began to realize that if you use the CRM the right way, all of a sudden it is now, this, yeah. now in certain situations, it's not enough, right? There's, but so, but, but so again, like, what is the source of truth? The source of truth could change by the situation or by the context. Right. So, so in this case, this system overrides that system. In another case, that system overrides the other. And, and ultimately what you want to have, and this is where, this is where the word single comes. I think, um, I think people, you know, they lose single to be single system, right. As opposed to what the data that is in one system, if, if that data exists in, well, let me change that if data in one tool. Cause again, I'm falling into the mistake that I'm referring to a technology application as a system. It's an application, right? It's not a system or, or it shouldn't be a system. Um, so if the data in one tool is also in another tool, those two things should say the same thing in the integration process, determining which one wins, which yeah. one overrides the other when they're different is, is certainly, um, you know, that, that, that is highly contextual. That's highly situational. You've got to deal with that. On, on, on that one-off basis or, or you run into those problems. And, 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 you know, what I think is too often overlooked is that sometimes you can't solve that by automation. Yeah. That's sometimes, a, that's a, sometimes someone just needs point. to be notified. Sometimes yeah. someone just needs to be notified to take a look at this, you know, and I see this, you know, with sales teams that are scaling and what happens, this rep got ripped off on that. And, and it's, it's because the system determined it, by, by the way, this happened. I don't know. I personally think Amazon does this on purpose, but that's an opinion. By the way, that is a personal opinion. That is not a statement of fact. Um, but did you hear that their that their HR system accidentally fires people, accidentally doesn't pay people correctly, things along those lines? Um, no, I did not hear yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and it's you know supposedly because you know this data overrode that, so it got. It, this person got treated as an underperformer to the threshold, you know, and there was, and there's no means for correction. Well, the system says that, right. Yeah. And and that's, the, that's the stuff that drives me crazy. That's where, you know, I think technology causes people to lose, to lose trust. Um, you know, I think that there are times where, where sometimes it, it requires judgment or human intervention. And, and, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Now you want to have that resolved, but, well, we talk about this frequently too. Everybody has the want to automate all of this stuff, which which gets to a little bit of your point about chief, chief automation officer. But like we we talk about the importance frequently with using exception reporting and triggers to notify people of things like this versus automating it. Because, and I go back to one of the things we talk about frequently as well. If you can't do it manually, then you can't automate it. And, and so if 
if it, and if you need human intervention to be able to look at this and judge it, you're never going to automate that. You got to have a person going in and looking. Well, I don't want to, you know, I I don't want to say never because actually if you have a human intervene, you may you may find that you automate more and more of it and you may actually even completely That's resolve fair. it, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I I think it goes back to and you know, this is the tweetable moment if by GBT, this is the tweetable moment. <laughs> um automation is the byproduct of good process. It's not the objective. Um don't don't measure don't measure how much you've automated measure your velocity right I, you know i mean I, I get so many shitty emails because they're over automated yeah right so they're Same. going faster and faster they're sending out more emails than the you know the digital deity ever thought would be possible i mean i can't go back and i you know i mean i sometimes wonder if you know back when i was using act for dos and <laughs> and word and word perfect came out with the macro right where you could actually you know, have a chunk of text automated, but it was such a pain in the butt to create that you would only do that on really high value items. Right. I, you know, I can't help but wonder if, if if we weren't better off then. And 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 so like, you know, one of my favorite pieces that Kit Bodner, the chief marketing officer at HubSpot ever wrote, I don't think this was the title, but basically the memorable statement in the post was marketers fuck everything up. And the reason is, is because there's this tendency to take byproducts and turn them into objectives. Yeah. Right. A high click rate is the byproduct of an effective email. It's not the objective of an effective email. So you turn, you turn the click from a byproduct to an objective and you get clickbait. It, it's why branding is fucked up, right? Branding is an outcome. And, and, and so what, what a bunch of consultants did years ago was they took a result, turned it into a means, made it really complicated and said, you need to pay me a lot of money to help you figure this out. Yeah. Right. Cause, cause by the way, when we talk about branding, what are we talking about? We changed our logo. Like someone we're announcing our new brand today. No, no, you're not. You're announcing your new visual identity. You're announcing your new narrative, right? In the hopes that moving into the future, your brand changes, right? But you change your logo. You didn't change your brand. Yeah. <laughs> right. But that's what we've done. So, so again, you, you go to single source of truth. You didn't change anything, right? You know, right. again, that, I mean, I'm going back over and over and over again. So, so like when we begin to take these things and, and assign them individually and give them KPI, then, then that's what we pursue, right? You go back to our KPI episode. Yeah. Right. And, and this same type of thing happens. And, and I see that happening with, with, you know, with source of truth all the time. You're yeah. like, I always ask, I mean, I had, I had, I had someone say, you know, look, you know, why are you looking to change your, your CRM? Well, our systems don't talk to each other. And, and so, you know, it's really important that, that we be able to have the, a unified, I'm like, okay, great. Well, what are you unable to do? What's the problem that you're trying to what, solve? What are you unable to do? Yeah. Um, well, we're unable to have our systems talk to get to, to each other. I'm like, I don't, I, like, is one of them going out on a date or something? Are they like, <laughs> is they like, what does one of them have like a really good story to tell and no one's listening. So they're like self image is low. The system has a low self image. Um, when I'm, I'm, I'm obviously being right. a little bit snarky here, but like they can't articulate. I had one person tell me that, you know, they're, at, they're basically doubling what their growth rate is, what, what their target growth rate is. And, and we need to X. Now, I don't disagree that your systems need to talk to each other, but, right. but if you know, like, if the answer were, Hey, we're blowing out our numbers right now, but we can see 
that if we don't fix this, we're going to come up against and we're not going to be able to sustain that, then then that begins to have some sense. And I can now make my trade-off decisions right? Yeah. against that. But if you're in the abstract, you know, you can't, you, you can't make good decisions. So you end up spending a lot of money. Like why somewhere between 55 and 80 and 80% of CRM implementations are considered failures. They fail to deliver on the results that were intended. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you more often than not, because the results that were intended were never clearly identified. We need better reporting for what? Right. Yeah, and the trade-off the trade-off piece is so important. We could do a whole episode on trade-offs because um, I think that, and that's where that's where I see the struggle frequently is is making those decisions because there's when you're talking about things like source of truth, there's frequently trade-offs that you have to make, and if you don't know what the what the end is and what the what the result is clearly and what we're trying to do, then you can't you can't make those choices, and and I think that's where where the struggle is too oftentimes. Here, here's what I'm going to say. If trade-offs weren't the game, this would be the Doug and Jess are talking about what movie or <laughs> show they watched yesterday. Cause you wouldn't need the rev op show. You wouldn't need like, right. like the decisions that you have to make that don't involve trade-offs. I mean, I don't want to say this hundred percent. They're, they're, they're pretty easy. Right. I mean, yeah. most, you know, certainly if you're at the point where you're legitimately talking about scaling, you're legitimately talking about serious growth, you're, you're already doing 80% of it right, right? You're already in a, in, in, in a good place. So, you know, it, it, it's the wicked problems, you know, you, it's why you, you need a single source of truth or you need a source of truth to be able to manage the wicked problems. What are wicked problems? Wicked problems are problems that don't have an actual solution. Right. Right. Like, here's a wicked problem, end world hunger. It's a wicked problem because everything you do to solve it changes a bunch of other things, which creates other problems, with, right? And so you're, you're basically deciding what, what is less evil or what's the best of, or, you know, you're, you're like what, you know, right. as I, I think we've said multiple times on this show, infinity exists between zero and one. Right. Yeah. Right? So, so again, if, if, you know, it's why our definition of revenue operations involves you know, against defined outcomes and objectives, because we're, you know, here again, you're not looking to win the award. You know, if you're the most efficient customer facing organization in the world, okay, that's wonderful. What does that get you right on, yeah. on just a fit? Now you might have other things where that, where, where that's beneficial, but, but, you know, at, at some point, and there's a lot of proof on here as well, efficiency matters. But there's a point where efficiency start, starts to increase cost, not decrease it, right? That's the trade-off. And it's different for different people in different places. You know, if, if I'm a super customer intimate company, I, I've got a much higher, I have a much lower threshold for efficiency. Yeah. Right? If I'm Amazon, you know, uh, you, you know, people talk about love Amazon. Amazon, uh, yet talk to anyone who has to deal with, with customer support there. I don't know anyone that says actually really good things about them. <laughs> But but you didn't buy from Amazon because of customer support. You didn't buy from Amazon because you you're not going to have to wait 35 minutes on a chat or whatever, you know, right. to get a response. You 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 buy from them because more often than not you can get something done without talking to anybody. And and there's a few things that come up that piss you off, and you say I'm never going to use them again until you know three hours later when you realize, oh wait, I need a cord to plug into my phone. Yeah. Oh, I'll go to Amazon. Right. You know, that's, 
that's not, you know, you don't buy from Amazon for customer intimacy. So you buy from them because of efficiency. Right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I want to hit on, on, on one last point, which I wanted to talk a little bit about maintenance, but I think you, I think you might've highlighted this. So you had mentioned about creating the structure so that it's easy to do the things that you need to do. So is that how you manage me? Like, like, let's just say you've determined your source of truth. You've got kind of the structure in place to have that. Is that how you maintain it? Making sure that you make it so it's easy to, to keep it, uh, to, to keep it maintained or how, how do you make sure that your source of truth stays your source of truth? I mean, it, you know, here again, it's very situational. I don't, I don't think you set your source of truth and you go, okay, everybody, we have our source of truth. We're done. Why not? That's like, that's what I would want to do as an operational person. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I know. I know. Um, I, I would say more accurate. That's what I want to do as a lazy person. Um, operators like to operate. I mean, look, I, there's nothing wrong with being lazy. <laughs> um, I'm lazy. Right. I mean, it, I, I, I tell people all the time, I think, you know, my, my, my competitive advantage is I'm lazy. I, so, so I'll, I'll work really hard to find a way to get something accomplished, but let's, I, I work really hard to find a way to get more juice with less squeeze, right? It's my laziness that motivates me for that, right? If I wasn't lazy, I wouldn't pay attention to the squeeze, right? That's part, that's why I don't like the hustle culture. The hustle culture measures you by how hard you squeeze. Yeah. Like, why do you want to do that? Um, I want to measure you by yield. Um, yeah. With, you know, realizing that you have to hit, like, there's minimums, right? Where, um, but I mean, it, it, like, what is your source of truth? It, it's going to be driven by your business process. And, and, and what I think happens is, you know, it, it's like, if, if you're, for whatever reason, when I bought my Lexus several years ago, I did not want any trash in it. Now, I was somebody, because I'd been in outside sales forever. I mean, I, I think at one point I had, I had one car. I think I had 73 empty coffee cups in the back. I just got a new car and I feel the same way right okay. now. And I have two little kids. So I, you know, and, and, I everyone, you know <laughs> and, and everyone goes through that when they get the new car and, and within one to three months, but, but for whatever reason with the Lexus, I got into the, if there was something and we just took it out, we just took it out. And, and you know, like the reason that I had 73 coffee cups is when I had 20 in there, it was like, Oh, I don't have the time to go in there and clean this all up. So it just, it became hard. And I like my Lexus has stayed clean. It hasn't accumulated anything and it hasn't been at all hard because it's never gotten, you know, it's never been anything but in place. Right. And, yeah. and, and I don't know why, but that's right. I don't know why my behavior changed suddenly with that, but it did, by the way, when I'm in a rental car, the coffee cups go in the back seat. Um, <laughs> um, maybe that's too much information about me. Yeah. But I would say that, you know, the same thing is, is like, this is why revenue operations is such a crucial role. And as we've said before, you know, the danger of revenue operations is when it's doing its job well, everyone should be convinced that it's unnecessary. Yeah. Right. But if you're always maintaining your process, then maintaining your process is never hard. Yeah. And realizing that your process is dynamic. Maintaining is not, um, is not policing. It's you're all, it's always changing. It's always adjusting. It's a living, breathing system. It's an ecosystem. It's not a linear system. And if you right. view it through that lens and, and you build it into your DNA and you identify what are the structural components, then, then it doesn't become an issue. And that's how you need to manage it. Right. Cool. Um, I thought this was good. Uh, I, the, the big takeaway 
and I don't think we've actually covered this before on a previous episode, I don't think, which is where we talked about, you know, striving for per- perfection actually gives you diminishing returns. And, and I'll go back to, I do think that that single source of truth is such a definitive term. So we want it to be perfect and keep in mind that that good is, is going to get you yeah. there in, in a lot of instances. I want to, I could be wrong here, right? Because I haven't thought it through 100%, but I I don't want to say that striving for perfection, striving for all the way 100% will get you diminishing returns. Because diminishing returns still produce returns. It's just returns not worth, you know, that are less mm-hmm. than the cost. Right. What I'm saying is you get negative returns. You regress. Okay. So, so as an example, and I'm not saying 80% is the magic number, but what I'm saying is, Somewhere, like if you go to a hundred percent, you're below where you were at eighty percent, not just yeah, okay. a teeny bit above eighty percent. It actually, in, it actually, in, you incur costs for overshooting it. Gotcha. All right, Jess, what are you thankful for? Oh man, um, we we've had incredible growth as a team and like among individuals, and I'm grateful to have been able to help with that and, and watch that. And I'm grateful to, for the growth I've had personally this year. So, yeah. So taking out, and I know you did as well, taking out all the personal family stuff that I'm thankful and grateful for, um, similar along those lines, I'm thankful and not to get super corny, but I'm thankful for, for you, Jess, and the role that you've played and the team. I mean, to, if I had told you that we'd be doing what we're doing this year, that we'd be doing in November, what we're doing in November. Um, if I told the team that they may not have stuck, like if I t- said that on January 3rd, they may not have stuck around till January. I might've, I might've resigned. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, to see the growth, like you said, the growth of the team, how well the team works together, how, how enjoyable it is. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I said this on LinkedIn. I'm so proud of what we've done and, and seeing how everybody has stepped up. Um, I mean, candidly, I, I would, I, I would, I could not have predicted that we would be. Oh, uh, I know. I mean, I, I could have predicted like the, you know, the PNL for this year, but, but it's all the other things that are enabling that, that are enabling what, what, you know, 2023 is and, and, and to be a part of it, let alone to in some way, shape or form to be, um, a piece of leading it is, is something that I, I think I'll be forever thankful for. I agree. I agree. Alrighty. And that will take care of our day before Thanksgiving episode of the Rev Up show. Yeah. Let's go get some turkey. And that's a wrap on this episode of the Rev Up show. Did you happen to catch the hashtag tweetable moment? If not, here it is. Automation is the byproduct of a good process. It's not the objective. If you did find that tweetable moment, share it on Twitter and make sure to tag at demand creator in it. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review and share the episode. If you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or Jess about single source of truth or anything else RevOps related, email me at hannah at imaginellc.com or hit us up on Twitter at demand creator. Until next time, remember, you can't solve your upstream problems downstream.